Inside a rough and ruthless newsroom, thousands of stories fight for the spotlight. Only a few survive past their 15 minutes of fame. So what makes for a good headline? And what makes for a buried byline? Join us, two former TV news producers, as we dig up stories that never got the recognition or justice they deserve. This is Buried Bylines. This is episode six, right? Yes. <laughs> we made it to six. Holy when we get to God. ten, it's going to be crazy. I just am like dumbfounded that we've made it this far. I know, and that people are actually suggesting cases and things like that. So that's really exciting. I really liked having our guest on last week, mm-hmm. and I cannot wait to bring more guests on. He was so cool. He was so cool. And <laughs> I played the episode for my husband, and he was like, why wasn't he on TV? His voice is so <laughs> amazing. I was thinking, I was like, radio voice or reporter. And he was like, no, it's just an assistant news director and an AP. And I was like, what? I know. You want talent somewhere? I know. He, he be better perfect. have listened to our freaking podcast, sir. <laughs> I'm going to call you out, man. <laughs> At this point, you should have listened. Okay. For this episode, I was wanting to find a case that did not involve murder. I literally typed in crimes no one knows about into Google. I came upon a BuzzFeed article called 27 Extremely Dark True Crime Stories People Never Ever Seem to Talk About. And that's where I found today's case. Ooh, okay. Yes, number nine on the list was the Ant Hill Kids Cult. I've never heard of that before. Have you? No. But I love cults. I know that sounds so weird, but that's like one of my favorite pockets of true crime is like Yeah, they're just fascinating. Like there's just so much like psychology that goes into it. Like how they start and how the cult leader gains control and things like that is freaky. So there is an investigation discovery article about this. The Mirror also did an article, but it seems like it was only really big in Canada and it didn't become super national. So it happened in Canada. Quick Google search only brought up about 108 news results, although I don't know why this didn't blow up because this shit is crazy. (laughs) I feel like anything to do with a cult is just absolutely insane. Yes, I'm warning you right now, it's real bad. It's bad, bad, bad. Oh no. So if you're squeamish, I tried to not say a lot of detail of some of the things that happened later on, but... Oh, I'm scared. What are you getting into? You should be scared. So we'll start on May 16th, 1947. That's when Rock Terrio was born in Canada. As a child, he was considered to be very intelligent, but he dropped out of school in seventh grade. I couldn't find too much about his early upbringing, so the next part kind of comes out of the blue. And by next part, I mean first red flag. (laughs) He became infatuated with religion. After he dropped out, he began to teach himself the Old Testament of the Bible. Now this kid um, believed that the end of the world was near. He also believed that it would be brought on by a war between good and evil. So we're early on and we're getting kind of crazy. According to an Investigation Discovery article, he eventually converted from Catholicism, which is what his family brought him up as, to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He began practicing the denomination's regular holistic beliefs, and that basically just means a healthy lifestyle. So no unhealthy foods, no tobacco, no fun, stuff like that. Holistic is very, like... I know, natural, like... Of the earth, yeah. Yeah, so it was that, but then he took it times 100. This religion wasn't as intense enough apparently or in my opinion didn't fit into his radical beliefs about the end of the world so he did the rational thing decreed himself a prophet ah 
As mm-hmm. one does. As one does. According to that investigation discovery article, he convinced a number of Seventh-day Adventists to leave their jobs, break off, and follow him. So I guess he had to be a little bit charismatic. I mean, every cult leader has some sort of redeeming quality that draws people in. I don't know about this guy. I think he could talk a big game and that's about it. He was not cute and that's no, a deal but he was, for me. But if he was persuasive, if he could talk a big game and he was persuasive. He had like a seven head, Mallory, toward the end. Oh, not, not just his not just his whole life toward the end of his life. Toward the end. His hair just kept sliding back like someone was pulling it off his head. Red flag number two. He told his followers they couldn't talk to their families anymore. Classic cult shit. Uh, we are a cult in the making. We should make a list of things that are like red cult. flags for <laughs> that you might be in a cult. Jeff Foxworth, he's like, you might be a redneck. Yes. You, you, you might be in a cult. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, we need to we need to come up with that list, and you'll see a bunch of those red flags as we go Cutting on. Cutting off your friends and family, you might be in a cult. Correct. So Terrio and his followers eventually built a commune in Canada where they would quote purify themselves for the imminence of Armageddon. The fuck does that mean? Purify themselves? I don't know. It's straight from the ID article, and it was a beautiful description. Didn't want to change anything. I just think it means they would go there, be by themselves, away from like other people that are not following what they follow. Here's where the name comes in. Apparently, as he watched his followers build what would be the cult's compound, he thought they looked like ants working together. So the Ant Hill Kids cult was born. Ew. I know. So he, as an article in The Sun gracefully put it, quote, sat back and guzzled booze as his followers built a small town. (laughs) Trash. Oh my god, like a true prophet does. Okay, so this reminds me, I don't know if it's a TikTok or a Vine, it's when a bunch of ants are crawling up a wall, and it's a group of them, and they have a chip or something, and there's a lady that's like, look at all those ants, those are worker ants, and then she points to one, like, sitting in the back doing nothing, and she says, what's that? And the guy goes, that's the manager. So, like... (laughs) That's all I was thinking about, because he's literally sitting doing nothing while everybody else builds the goddamn compound. Have you ever worked in a restaurant before? Yeah. That's exactly what managers do. Everybody else in a restaurant busts their ass, and managers sit in that little room with the door uh-huh. closed, and who knows what they're doing? Nobody That's knows true. what they're doing. They could be starting a cult. We don't know. Who's to say? <laughs> so while all this is happening, Terrio got more and more paranoid about the end of the world, and that he alone was the only person to protect people from evil. According to Murderpedia, he claimed he was a reincarnation of Moses and believed he could perform miracles. He also claimed God told him that the end of the world would happen in February of 1917. Never put a date on things like that, is what I'll say. Under promise, over deliver. 1917? 79. 79, okay. Yeah, yeah 1917, they'd be dead. I was gonna say, I was like, he wasn't even born yet. <laughs> oh, real quick, what's something that people do, like a group of people do when they need to raise money? Big sale. Yes! <laughs> The anthill kids made money by peddling fucking baked goods. No! Yes. Oh, I bet they were the worst cookies. I bet they tasted so bad. And then all they're just like dirt pies. Yeah, and they were stinky, not good. Gross. So he started punishing people who didn't bring enough 
money with their muffins or whatever. And this is where it gets bad. So he started beating his followers with belts, even a hammer. Eventually, it got so bad that he would string people up from the ceiling and pluck out their hairs. How how did we get here? How did we get from bake sales to pulling out hairs and hitting people with hammers? I know. Well, that's kind of the thing, right? Usually cults start, oh, it's nice. Like, this is great. We don't need to be tied down to anything. I'm really cool. I'm a charismatic guy. I'll take care of you. And then it slowly, slowly starts getting abusive and bad. And this guy, he has a drinking problem. So he just keeps drinking and drinking and drinking. As we'll see later, he's just a fucked individual. (laughs) While all this is happening, it seemed like the rest of the world was oblivious. They just seemed like another group of hippies dancing in the woods, but it was bad. And here's where we have a crack in his control. That February 1979 date I mentioned. Yeah. It came and went. The world didn't end. And nothing happened. So people started doubting him a little bit, rightfully so. Yes. Guess how he got himself out of it. Um, You're not going to be able to. He said, oops, I accidentally used human time. I was supposed to use God time. God time? (laughs) I don't got time for God time. Oh my God. Not good. Do these people believe him? Yes. Oh my God. But at that time, like they've left their family. They left their jobs. They don't have an income. They don't have anywhere to go. It's kind of a thing that humans do when they get so deep into something that they believe in. And they find out it's wrong or it wasn't what they thought. They kind of dig their heels in because they're too far in. But red flag number 1000. He married every female follower he had, impregnated them as fast as possible. Stop. Mm -hmm. So he really just wanted to like create his own little unit of people. Yeah, a literal like commune of people that he could terrorize and torture and have control over. I didn't see this anywhere else, but the ID article said it's believed he had 26 kids. He also made them wear tunics, which would be breezy, but not cute. That is the real crime. Tunics. The fashion crime. So now that he had the adults in his clutches, Terrio was able to have control over the kids. I'm not going into detail. I mean, I have to go into some, but it's disgusting. They suffered physical and sexual abuse. And I didn't actually meet my goal of no murders, but I was too deep at this point. At least one infant died from exposure after he ordered it to be kept outside in a wheelbarrow. What did he think was going to happen? I don't know. It was a punishment to the mother, I believe. And then another child died when he performed surgery on him. Ah, Prophet, doctor, yep. what it's kind horrible. of surgery? I, d- I don't want to go into it. It's not good. Megan, I need details. I can't do it. So we'll just say it was not a it was not a good surgery. So that's two kids dead at the hands of this man. And all of this horrible abuse happened for over a decade. It's not like people weren't aware of it. According to a Toronto news article, local agencies began getting reports from concerned citizens, mostly because of the fact that winter was coming. And the compound had, like, no heat at all. In 1982, the Children's Aid Society got involved. At the time, there were roughly 18 children, eight women, and several men. So I think that's around the height 
of the cult. The Toronto News article actually interviewed one of the Children's Aid Society officers that went to investigate. The officer said as soon as they arrived, people started to scatter, which is not a good sign. That officer also described Terrio as, quote, cautiously polite. Like, were they expecting him to be aggressive or? I guess. I don't know, because they got reports of some of the stuff that was happening. At this visit, all of the kids seemed to be, quote, relatively well, but the officer recalled that something just didn't feel right. And the group continued to keep tabs on the cult. And here's where the timeline gets a little bit murky, but a few years later, the Children's Aid Society have enough evidence and reports of horrific things like Terry out holding babies over tanks full of water to scare the mothers into doing what he wanted. Of course, the sexual abuse and, brace yourself, clipping the ends of the toes of people who disobeyed him. Like the skin or like yeah. the toes? I think it's like half of your toe. I'm honestly surprised more people didn't die from like infection. I know, than, like, that's crazy. Because I'm sure he's not like wrapping it up and making sure they're fine after and i think a lot of the abuse he had his followers carry out that's so fucked up some of the children were taken away the mothers were given a chance to leave with the children but most didn't it might seem crazy to think about i know (laughs) i see your face but these women were scared they were probably groomed and manipulated and just scared i mean they saw the things this man was capable of doing and they saw what happened when you crossed him it's giving keep sweet and obey yes yeah So in 1984, the group relocated to a new site where Terrio's drinking got even worse. He became more and more abusive. The punishments became increasingly extreme and violent. This is bad. Mallory, so brace yourself again. He forced members of the cult to break their own legs with sledgehammers. I feel like this is like a Saw movie. I know, which is crazy why it didn't blow up because it's sensational, which media loves. There's kids involved. When you think of other like cults and stuff, I mean, there's countless documentaries about crazy cults and even like religious cults. Like right. that. I literally just said like keep sweet, praying, yeah, obey or whatever it's and called. Tons like of documentaries like wow. on Netflix or ID and I mean, there was not a lot about this cult. It's kind of hard to tell why, but at the end, there were some things that were happening around this time that probably trumped it. The 70s were crazy, man. There was so much happening. We'll get into that a little bit later, too. So the followers were not allowed to talk to each other, which is red flag number (laughs) 3,700. If you're not allowed to talk to your friends in the cult, you're probably in a cult. It was so much manipulation. Anyone who tried to leave would be punished. It was really bad. Then, in September of 1988, another member of the cult died. One of his wives, Solange Bulliard, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, said that her stomach hurt. Terrio then tied her naked to a makeshift surgery table, punched her repeatedly, and this is graphic, so if you're squeamish, please skip ahead about 30 seconds, gave her an enema of molasses and olive oil, cut her stomach open with a kitchen knife and then stitched the wound up with a needle and thread. What did any of that do? I don't know. And all of it was without anesthesia. Probably needed a fucking Pepto-Bismol or like an actual meal. Right. Like nothing. She had a stomach ache. It's just a horrific show of how cruel and disgusting that he was. 
soulless. It's horrible. She unsurprisingly died the next day. They buried her body on the compound after humiliating it. And I'm not going into detail about that either. And this to me is just a senseless death. There was no reason for him to do this other than that he enjoyed it. It's like sadistic. It's horrible. It is horrible what this man did. But we have a silver lining, if you can call it that. One follower named Gabrielle Lavallee eventually escaped and went to police in 1989. It's almost 10 years of torture. Yeah. It's horrible. So she previously tried to flee the cult before that, but returned as punishment. Terrio cut off one of her fingers and eventually her whole fucking arm. What are these people getting out of being in this cult? Do they think that like when the world ends that because they're with this prophet that they're going to be saved or something? I guess so because he thought he was the only one that could save the world or whatever. That's the only reason that I could think that people would cling on to this. But, but like, you it's see like, it in cults all the time. Like, bad shit happens and people stay. I know. And I know it's not... When you're in that headspace and you've been so manipulated, it's mm-hmm. not logical to, to think the way that, like, you and I think. But if it's, like, you're going to be saved from the end of the world... What's the point of being saved if you're only getting fucking beat with hammers and, like, abused and getting your phalanges cut off? I know. It's crazy. Like, this is, I mean, this is one of the most brutal cults that I've heard about or read about. And I've never heard of it before. I've heard of, like... I mean, from cults, like, everything from, like, starvation, there yeah. are obviously sex cults, yeah. there's, like, arranged marriages, stuff, mm-hmm. all stuff that's super fucked up, but I've never heard of people getting their limbs cut off. I know. Or, like, mediocre surgeries. So, she escaped for that second time in 1989 when she went to police And when I say this woman was brave, I mean it. She went to the police. Eight of her teeth had been removed. She was burned, cut, you name it. I just think it was really brave of her to risk everything to, like, take this guy down. So it all fell down pretty quickly after that. Adults were arrested. The remaining children became wards of the state. There was actually a manhunt in Canada for Terrio. He eluded authorities for several days until he was eventually arrested for the murder of Solange Bolliard, the woman that he had performed surgery on. Her body was later exhumed and properly laid to rest, which is nice. The ID article perfectly described this next part. Police gathered, quote, stomach-turning piles of evidence that eventually put Terrio in prison for life in 1993. Good, fuck that guy. Yeah, and now for the best part of the story. Terrio was brutally shivved in the neck by a cellmate in February of 2011. He bled to death and I hope it was awful. After the murder, his cellmate went up to a pair of guards, handed police the bloody handmade shiv and said, quote, that piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. When other people who are in prison think that you're a piece of shit. That's correct. I'm by no means condoning murder, but you can't fault me for being a little bit happy that this man died a horrible death. I mean, that's just a sliver of the torture he inflicted on other people. And it was quick. Everybody else got like freaking their hair pulled out one by one, teeth pulled out. So why have we never heard of this? Like I said up top, this did get big in Canada where it happened 
the woman, again, who escaped, went to police, actually wrote an autobiography about her time there. There was also apparently a film about this called Savage Messiah in 2002. Now, I don't even want to read a book about this. Hell no, do I want to watch a movie about this. Right, a recreation of it. But I think it kind of just centers on, like, what happened and then the court stuff. Like, the trial. But as an article in the Yakima Herald explains, cult is a big buzzword usually. In my research, I found multiple mentions of this cult in various podcasts, like the Parcast, Red Handed. But if you try to find news articles, they're few and far between. Most of the results are actually like that BuzzFeed article. Like, seven crazy cults you've never heard about. The four strangest cults you've never heard of. So why have we never heard of it? In my opinion, there's several reasons. One is it's it's too messy. As I've said before, media outlets like stories that are neat and tidy and and we try to omit those graphic details when we can. And with this cult, there's just so much horrible, horrible abuse happening. And I'll be the first one to tell you that news outlets don't do a great job at following up on things. They'll jump on the bandwagon, cover something right when it happens, and then it kind of just drops off and they forget about it. So many times. Yeah, so I'm assuming in Canada they covered the manhunt, covered the trial, and then dropped it. Plus, in an ideal journalism world, you get both sides of the story. Usually you can't really trust anything a cult leader says. So... Credible sources are hard to find. And I just think that getting all of the information about the ins and outs of this cult just takes time. Time that many newsrooms don't have. It would take one journalist dedicated to this cult specifically, and it would probably take years to form relationships and a whole bunch of fact checking. They're secretive usually. So it would just take a lot of time that I think sometimes media outlets have a very short attention span. I also think that in journalism in general, anything that has to do with religion is kind of off limits. That's what I kind of got a little bit, at least in my experience in the newsroom. Like, it's not a journalist's place to judge religion. My argument to that is any group that tortures, abuses, and kills people is a bad group. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when it comes to, like, religious cults and stuff like that, there is less local news coverage of it or coverage in general. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be... It's hard. It's a really, really hard spot. And even, like, a lot of times, like, cult leaders, if it's religious cult leaders and stuff, they don't actually get involved in the news until they've stolen a bunch of money from people. Right. You don't hear about it until it's, like, at the end of its life. And usually it starts with religion and then slowly just falls apart and just turns into abuse, at least cults anyway. I remember having a conversation with a specific professor at Ball State when I was still in school about avoiding bias and opinion in journalism. In my opinion, if you know something's wrong, it's okay to say it's wrong. If children are being abused and killed, you have to talk about it. So saying you don't want to be a biased journalist is kind of a cop-out, in my opinion. And I think- taking the, sorry, taking the- religious aspect out of it there's still people and children who are dying it's crying tortured yeah and that's murder that's torture that's i mean you can't just cut someone's fingers off yeah or try to cut them open and give them surgery when you're not right. a doctor like You can't do those things. I think one of the reasons it didn't get covered as much or make its way farther out to, like, the true crime world is because it happened in Canada. And the way that Canada does their news is so completely different 
than the way that we do our news here in America. Like, they have CCB, the Canadian News Earth, you know, they have their own thing, and they don't have local TV stations. Yeah, they, they don't have necessarily, like, here we've talked about there are different markets, and you can work right. at different local. They don't necessarily have that. They have, like, one Canadian broadcasting network yeah. that is news for the entire country. For everyone, so it's hard to, like, zero in on things. That's a good point. I mean, I don't think that lets them off the hook at all for this not having Covering more this. traction. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. And you have to look at the things that were happening around the same time. So like we said, the 70s were wild. There was a lot happening crime-wise. I feel like you're going to say there was like a serial killer. There were so many serial killers in the 70s. Yeah, in the 70s, just to name a few. You had Jim Jones, the Zodiac killings, Ted Bundy, fucking Watergate happened. So (laughs) the story had a lot of competition. There was a lot going on in the U.S. for people to try to give a shit about something that's happening in Canada. That's true. You can walk out of your door and get murdered and no one would know why for 30 years. So that's great. In 1989, when that woman escaped and he was arrested, there was a mass shooting at Cleveland Elementary School. Jeffrey Dahmer was active. Oh my God. Actually, Dahmer went to trial in 1992, a year before Terrio went to trial. The Menendez murders happened. So this is just, it just got lost in the shuffle, I think. So we talk about timing with stories, whether that be if there's something that happened that you want to get covered in the news but then something else happens that they jump on so that can take the spotlight and your story kind of gets lost or if it happens during a certain time in the year like after a holiday or on the weekends it's just it just depends on a lot of different factors of why things could blow up and why they don't. And I remember when we were still producing, I don't know if we did a lot of cult coverage. The one cult that I remember covering and actively writing about um, is my favorite cult. Not <laughs> to say that, like, you know, you hate to say, like, you have a favorite crime station or a favorite you find the most interesting. Yes. yes, it's the cult that I found the most interesting and been most, like, deep-dived into mm-hmm. um, is the Nexium. Yep and because that had celebrities involved there was a lot with the trial I remember writing stories about the trial and the sentencing Mm -hmm. and all of that but I I mean in our time I can't a lot of cults yeah I mean I think maybe there's been some stuff about Hillsong. Oh, yeah. And then, um, oh, what's that lady's name? She killed her kids. Oh, Lori Vallow. Lori Vallow. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. So There's definitely been stuff about her, yeah. When we produce, if you choose to put that in your newscast, you also have to put background information. So usually with cults, there's a ton that you have to go through. And context, yeah. Yes, I remember just dropping stories out of my show entirely because I'm like, this will take two minutes to explain, and I don't have two minutes. This block has seven minutes total. I can't spend two minutes on this one story. So that yeah. could be another thing too. It's just they're That's so complicated. True. They're so complex, especially with like the Lori Vallow. There were just so many things involved that how do you explain that? I mean, with her, NBC did multiple Dateline episodes, hour-long right. Dateline episodes about her. Her story and how crazy that all was couldn't be told in a 30-second script that airs on the local right. news. That's There's true. way too much to it. And, 
You're absolutely right. That probably is why cult stories don't end up in local news mm-hmm. as much because they require so much context or a timeline yeah. or, you know, explanation. And there's not a lot of people who want to go on camera and talk about it because yeah. after they get out of a cult, they're, they're freaking traumatized, dude. <laughs> they're traumatized, they're humiliated, they're embarrassed, and they don't want to talk to the local news. They might right. talk to like Netflix, who's going to pay them to be in a documentary, That's but they true. don't want to talk to like Joe Schmo with a camera yeah. from That's Fox. True in denver or something you know like i don't know yeah. well, i think it's... that's why we're seeing a lot of those documentaries come out because that's the probably the best way to tell the story is long form or even online like a timeline there were a couple of good articles that i used as sources that were like pages and pages long but i think you kind of need that in order to tell the whole story so local news might not super cover cults but i think you can yeah. find other, other outlets and other mediums where you can tell that story too man i'm just like (laughs) are you depressed i'm depressed well yeah well yes (laughs) but i'm just thinking about cult and like and i think that the reason people get so fascinated with cults is because literally anybody could fall victim to the right depending Mm -hmm. on the type of person what they're promising or incentivizing Anybody could fall victim to being in a cult. How charismatic they are. I mean, there are certain things I could probably see myself being like, oh my God, I am in a cult. I I don't know how I got here, but I am in it. If Harry Styles started a cult, I'd probably go. Honestly, sometimes I feel like being a Taylor Swift fan is like being in a cult. <laughs> a little bit. So that's that's it. Wow. Yeah. It's a crazy story. I can't believe you just found that. Thank you, BuzzFeed. Thanks, BuzzFeed. We owe you our lives. Did you take a quiz while you were on BuzzFeed? No, but I screenshotted every single one of those just in case I wanted to look into them. (laughs) That's fair. I'm excited. I think next week I'm going to do a hometown case for me. I think I know which one it is, and it's fucking crazy. It's insane. I still think about it all the time. As former journalists, we want to give credit where credit is due. For this episode, I got my information from Investigation Discovery, The Mirror, Toronto News, The Sun, The Yakima Herald, Murderpedia, and Wikipedia. You can find a complete list of our sources in our show notes. Please make sure to check them out. Bye! Bye!